So, Linda, thank you for being with us, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us today. Thank you so much. So today, I'm going to take you on a little jog. We're going to jog together. Oh, and people are like, ooh. Sometimes my jogs are short, sometimes they're long, sometimes they feel like a marathon. I promise I'm not trying to make you anxious or uh, cause you to sweat, and I'll connect the dots at the end here on what a JOG is. So JOG stands for Journey of Generosity. So we're going to go on a little journey today. I've already heard the word journey in the service, um, journey with God. We've heard the word generosity. This is um, no small feat. I know you have a culture of generosity here. So in thinking about this, I'm like, what can I add? Um, So hopefully you can take a few tidbits away just to encourage you in your own life. So I'm going to start by having you um, close your eyes. And I'd like you to picture the most generous person that you know. Okay. And what words come to mind? If you just want to shout them out. When you see the face of this generous person, what words come to mind? Kind. Faith-filled, selfless, gentle, generous, happy, joy-filled, good. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's all positive, right? On the flip side, um, I would like you to picture Scrooge at the beginning of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> Not, not so happy, right? Even his physical appearance, he was hunched over, he was angry, he was not happy. And the Christmas Carol is just a marvelous story about transformation in this journey, right? So he goes on a journey, and by the end of the, the show, he's totally transformed. His heart is transformed. He's standing up straight, he's got a smile on his face, he's joyful, he's joyful that he can give. And all the angst and the fear around money has left him, and he's a generous person, right? So at the National Christian Foundation, it's a national organization, um, part of our mission is to inspire biblical generosity. Um, Here um, in Wisconsin, we do this all over the state in various ways. NCF sought out two years ago to figure out why Christians want to be generous, you know what? The number one reason is they, it, um, generosity provides meaning and purpose in your life. So generosity is the opportunity to connect with God, connect with what God is doing, and it's also an opportunity to connect with humanity, with spiritual and physical needs. The other thing that NCF has heard over and over again is that people want to be faithful with the resources that God has given them, and at the end, they want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Those two things, right? So when you talk about generosity, you can talk about time, talent, and treasure. Um, Today we're talking about generosity of resources. So it's not either or, it's an and, but we're going to talk about money today, because specifically in church, sometimes it's hard to talk about money, right? It's awkward. Sometimes in families, it's hard to talk about money. Um, Studies say that the more you can talk about money in a church, in your family, with your spouse, the healthier you're going to be. So we're going to talk a little bit about money today. And why? Because money's tricky. 
You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that if you love money, you never have enough, and if you love wealth, you're, you keep chasing, you're, you're unsatisfied, right? So if you think about Scrooge, he was chasing, and he was afraid, right? So he was not satisfied. So I'm not going to give you any answers today. Sorry if you thought that you were coming to get answers. This is not prescriptive. I've, I'm still working on it in my own life. It's a journey for me as well. Um, I met my husband in law school. We've been married 39 years. It's been a great gift and blessing in my life. We talk about it. We work on it. We're on this journey together. I have three um, grown children in their 30s. I want my children to have that joy of generosity, to have that generosity in your life, so we talk about it. Okay. Um, so now I think what we're going to do is we're going to queue up a video. And um, before the video starts, if you could kind of like figure out after the end of the video, if you could talk like four people together or three people together, what I want you to do is to think about um, what one thing stands out in this video. And then um, talk about it amongst yourselves, and then we'll share a little bit. Okay, so we're ready for the video. privilege of t taking a few minutes and just talking about a very important topic of generosity and fear. You know, over the years, I've come to believe that one of the chief enemies of generosity isn't necessarily greed, though that might play a role, but often the enemy of generosity is anxiety about tomorrow. Because let's just face it, whenever we give money away in sacrificial quantities, it's no longer ours. It's no longer ours to save. It's no longer ours for the future. And so God will begin to move in your heart to become a more generous, faithful giver. And then suddenly you hear some clunking beneath the floorboard of your car. And you wonder if the, it's the automobile pleading for a new transmission. Or the, the, the stock market takes another hit. And with it, your retirement fund plummets. Or, or what if college tuition continues to rocket? And how do you know, how do you really know that you've squirreled enough money away for any eventuality, calamity, or emergency that can come your way? You see, there it is right there. Generosity of today is crippled by fear of tomorrow. And what God invites us into is what I'll call a cycle of trust or a cycle of care. It's really both. Where he says, listen, uh, as you give, I'll provide as you give, I'll provide. As you give, I'll provide. Just do what I'm asking you to do, and I will meet your needs. Make no mistake about it, as we grow in generosity, it will require that we also grow in the journey of trust. So I just want to share with you three stories from different phases of our married life. Chris and I have been married for 30 years now and have been in ministry for 30 years. And uh, in my book, Satisfied, I write about these three eras. One is uh, when we're just starting out as newlyweds in ministry. The other one is uh, when we hit our mid-30s. And the other challenge is one we're experiencing now. So uh, let me begin. As a newlywed couple, we were 21 years old, graduated from Bible college, and we got a phone call uh, asking us to come to Ada Bible Church. It's a church we've served for the last 30 years. But back in the day, it was a congregation of a couple dozen people. Now, what they were able to pay me was microscopic, and Chris was working as a receptionist at the time, making little more than minimum wage. And yet, as we embraced that financial challenge, which was uh, earnings that were lower than the poverty line, I think I was prepared for that moment. 
I was somewhat prepared because my parents had been church planters. They lived by faith. I mean, they moved to the western states and would start churches in towns with very little Christian influence. And uh, dad would work part-time jobs. And then sometimes money would trickle in from supporting congregations. But those words of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, those were very real to my parents. That was not an abstraction. And so I was raised on these stories of not having money and God providing and having a financial need and God providing. So when I graduated from college and became a small church pastor, it's like my whole spiritual legacy had prepared me for this incredible opportunity of embracing a small struggling congregation and the financial shortage that would accompany it. So I was ready, but we weren't ready. Chris's dad, he was a successful insurance agent. She didn't begin attending church until late in high school. And so this whole idea of the journey of trust, where you just follow God and wait for him to meet your needs, this was totally alien to her. And that was before I proposed to her that we begin to practice the discipline of tithing. (laughs) Tithing, it's the life discipline of living on 90% of your income, so that 10% of your income can be given away. Tithing is this life practice of restricting your purchases to 90% of what you're making, so that 10% is totally at God's disposal. And so I proposed to her as newlyweds that we do this, and she thought I was crazy. Now, the issue here was not that I was generous and Chris was not generous. Friends that know us well can testify that Chris has a far more generous spirit than I do. The the issue wasn't generosity. The issue was fear. And her anxiety about our financial future was not ill-founded. We were barely making ends meet as it was. How in the world were we going to make ends meet if we started giving money away at a substantial percentage point? And yet God moved in her heart. Uh, I, I couldn't coerce her toward generosity, manipulate her toward generosity, This was something God had to do in her journey of trust. And she was able to say, okay, God, if this is the lifestyle you're calling us to, I will trust you. I'll trust that you provide. And God did provide. We testified that there was never a day when we needed food for our three children and we didn't have something to eat or we needed clothing and didn't have clothing. (laughs) There would always seem to be a few dollars to put in the gas tank to get to a meeting or church service or activity that we needed to go to. Now, we didn't have everything we desired. We didn't have everything we wanted. But God provided for our needs. He was faithful to provide for our needs and well into many of the luxuries of life. And that was the journey of trust in the years when we were starting out, the years of financial shortage, where trust competed with fear to see how we would follow our Lord. But as we moved into our mid-30s, we hit this second season. And this was the season I will just call, you know, gaining financial strength. That the church began to grow. And as the church began to grow, my income grew. Our youngest went off to school. And with that, Chris returns to work outside the home. And so, once again, we had two incomes. And yet, as we were able now to take uh, affordable vacations and uh, drive more reliable vehicles... It felt like financially we were in the slow lane and our friends were zipping past us. You know what I mean. More elaborate vacations, nicer homes, you know, newer cars. And this was a time in our mid-30s where we simply had to remember who we were. 
We had to remember that because Jesus had come and died for us and rescued us, we had to remember that our core identity was fixed, not in what we bought, but in who bought us. Our core identity was not established by what we owned, but who owned us, who purchased us. It was just that time to learn because of what Jesus did. I don't get my identity from my car. Man, I bring an identity to my car. (laughs) We don't get our identity from our house. We bring our new identity to our house. But this, too, was the issue of trust. Now, in our mid-30s, the financial issue did not revolve around not having enough. It revolved around not being enough. And again, God provided and met us there. And we moved through our 40s and now into our early 50s. And, and, and now we are in this season of financial stability. We've been very careful you know, not to uh, have credit card debt and to save money and to give faithfully and not simply to buy larger homes because we could afford the payment. And because of that, we now have something that we never had in the early days of marriage and ministry. We have savings, and I love my savings. I mean, I love earning interest and not paying interest. Seeing savings grow is enjoyable. No, it's not just enjoyable. Seeing savings grow is intoxicating. Can anyone see a new challenge on the horizon? And so it was a couple of years ago, I stood in front of our congregation. It was December. We had a building program going, and I was making a pitch for a special Christmas offering. And so I said, please, each one of you, set aside, uh, bring a gift in addition to your regular giving, above and beyond your normal offerings. Bring a sacrificial gift. And then I exited the platform, and that week, and I, my Lord and I had to have a heart-to-heart. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, Jeff, what gift do you intend to bring? And I'm going like, no, 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 no. I'm already giving a substantial part of my income to the church. It's kind of like, no, 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 no. Leaders don't ask people to do what they're unwilling to do themselves. You said above and beyond your normal giving. What gift will you bring above and beyond your normal giving? And it better not be a couple hundred dollars. And I'm going, why not? This is my savings, my precious savings. It's like, no, you said sacrificial gift. And where you and Chris are financially right now, a couple hundred dollars is not sacrificial. So what sacrificial gift will you give above and beyond your normal giving? I'm going, this is my savings. It's supposed to move forward and not go backward. It's like, well, what's this money for? Well, it's for stuff out there. You know, the the, the unforeseen stuff. I mean, accidents, incidents, calamities that I want to be prepared for. I mean, and like, what if I reach age 73 and I'm no longer able to work because of my health? What if I haven't set enough money aside? Who's supposed to take care of me then? (laughs) And then it was like I received a whisper from the father that said, Jeff, I've got a question. Who took care of your parents when they were in those early years of ministry, who took care of you when you were a child? And the obvious answer was you did. And as you and Chris were starting out at Ada Bible Church and your income was so small, who provided for you then? You did. And as you were moving through your 30s and the issue was not having enough, but it was not being enough, who provided your core identity? Who gave you strength when you were weak, wisdom when you were confused, and grace for each day? And the answer was you provided that too. And then the real question, who provides for you now? I do. (laughs) Let's try again. (laughs) Who provides for you now? You do. 
Well, if I provided for your parents and I provided for you when your children were young and if I provided for you when your 30s and 40s, can you trust that I will provide for you when you're 73? Is it possible that your greatest adventure of trust is not in your past but in your future? Will you believe that I'm good and that I'm gracious and I'm generous and my heart is moved when my children trust me when they step out on faith? Will you trust that you're involved in a cycle of care where you give and I provide and you give and I provide and you give and I provide? Welcome. Welcome to the cycle of care. Welcome to the journey of trust. But trust will always be an adventure. So I love that. Trust will always be an adventure. I'm sure Pastor Mark was wondering about that this morning. It's like, okay, I'm trusting Linda. What is she going to say? Let's go on this adventure together. Um, Okay, so I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to push it back to you for three minutes. Talk in your group about what one thing stood out or is applicable in your life. And then I'm going to pull you back in um, and we're going to share a little bit. Three minutes. Okay. I know three minutes goes fast. Yes, I know. It's like hurting cats. Come on. Come on. Um, Okay, let's um, get three volunteers who'd like to share what you've learned. Maybe we'll do one here, one here, and one here. I'm going to look this way. Is there one volunteer way in back here? Good morning. What is your name? Uh, Blake. Hi, Blake. Nice to meet you. What did you learn? Um, that if we go other people's like speeds, and like if we see them zipping past us, and we go with their way, it's not what God wants for us. He wants us to go like what we want, what speed He wants us to go. He doesn't care if we're going slower than others. We just need to stay on that path of His. Awesome. It's very good. Thank you. Okay, middle section. Do I have a volunteer in the middle section here? It's okay. We're all friends. This section. Good morning. What is your name? Uh, John. Hi, John. Um, In all three examples, faith, trust, and fear. Those were the two things we saw out of it. Yep. Simple as that, right? Got to trust. All right. Last section over here. Do I have a volunteer? I think this is the biggest section. Okay, here we go. I would say just the importance of faith and trust for the future and that, you know, that it's a, a cyclical process that you look looking to the future saying, I'm going to be anticipating seeing these things. And at times you might feel like you're further ahead and at times you might feel like you're further behind. And having that perspective of saying, I'm still moving forward and progressing. Um, that life doesn't always have to look super comfortable, even though you want it to. <laughs> Good. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, the whole cycle of trust, like, used to think about it as God provides and then I can give. 
and this really flipped that on its head, right? Um, the ushers are going to pass out now a Bible verse. And this is something that you can take home for some homework. But we're just going to do one of the exercises. This is an inductive Bible study tip. And um, as we read through this together, we're going to get started. And then I'm going to um, let you take it home and finish it. You would have handed it out earlier, but then I know you would have been distracted. <laughs> I've learned. Great, we're almost ready here. Thank you to the ushers for helping in that. What I'm going to do is, um, as soon as everybody gets a copy, I'm going to read this slowly. And I want you, um, if you have a pen, to underline all of the promises in this verse. And then we're going to count up how many promises there are. Okay, let's start. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly in all things at all times. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will in, enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of faith, of, of thanks to God. Let me say that again. In this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you and their hearts will go out to you because of the unsurpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this undescribable gift. Pastor Mark, how many did you come up with? Seven. Depends on how generous you want to be with the underlining, right? I've heard anywhere between seven and maybe 15. But um, take this home with you and read it again. And if you want to continue, the instructions are on the bottom. And then you can um, do this as homework this week on generosity. All right. So let me um, connect the dots on this JOG stuff. So there's an organization that NCF um, partners with. It's called Generous Giving. Their whole mission is to encourage generosity among Christians and 
Um, there are trained facilitators all around the country that are doing thousands of jogs all over the world. Sometimes these jogs are two-day events, sometimes they're six-hour events, sometimes we have conversations that are an hour-and-a-half event. And so our office here at um, the National Christian Foundation, we're available as facilitators if you think this would be um, a tool for your family or your Bible study or other groups that you're involved in, just give us a call, and we love to, to schedule these conversations. They're really fun. Okay. Um, what I'd like you to do is to think about your one thing today. What one thing are you taking home with you? Do you have a question that needs to be answered? This whole conversation about money, there's a lot of hows and wheres and what's and whys, and we're, we're a resource for you. You can think about the one thing that you'd like to talk to your spouse about or your family about or your pastor about or your small group about. What's, what's the one thing that um, is on your heart today? So write that down if you can. Good. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for trusting me. <laughs> um, I'm just going to close with a word of prayer and then... Um, just bless you with that. So, Lord, thank you for today. Um, thank you for this church, um, this generous church, um, for their leaders and their faithful followers and just the, the generosity that they do in this community um, that addresses both spiritual and physical needs. Um, we ask that you continue to bless their journey, bless each journey of the individual here today, touch their heart, and... Um, Help us to become joyful givers and not fearful givers. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Give Linda a hand this morning. Thank you, Linda, for coming and encouraging us today. The, um, whoa, the, sorry. Um, the truth is, and so I wanted, I wanted another voice to share um, because we talk about generosity around here regularly um, because we are an incredibly blessed people. Uh, but the truth is, it's not greed that we fight, it's fear. And of all people, we have every reason to fear not. Somebody this morning, I was talking to before church, you're talking about a transition that's happening with something in their life, and I reminded him, I said, remember, 365 times in the Bible, Jesus greets people by saying, fear not. Be at peace. Don't fear. And so, in a world that's gone crazy, who thinks the world's gone a little bit crazy? Here's the deal. You want to trust in this world anyways? It's not trustworthy. But who is trustworthy? Jesus is trustworthy. And this cycle that he teaches us to trust him in is give and then I'll bless. Give and then I'll bless. It's the opposite of what we think. I'll be blessings and I'll give. And understand this. God's not worried about our money. He doesn't care about our money. He cares about our hearts. And what he's trying to do is get us to understand that we can trust our hearts to him. And he uses a practical means to, to validate that to us and that's our finances. He does it so that we can learn. It's not about the bank account. It's not about the money. It's so that we learn we can honestly, actually trust in God. One time we had a situation in our lives, and Suzanne and I, we always say we could write a book on God's incredible generosity. 
in a miraculous provision in crazy ways. And a lot of you know some of our stories. Well, we had a situation where we were planting a church for no money. For no money. We left the church that we had built. It was thriving. We left it for no money. We were promised a fully funded church plant um, that we'd be fully funded. And the day after I resigned, I was called by my district and said, uh, sorry, there's no money. After I resigned. I said, what are you going to do? And I said, we're going to do it anyway. So we had two kids. What are we going to do? We went for no money. And uh, we got in, into it, and our car died, and we, had, we didn't have money to buy it. And I was, I was mad at God. I was mad. Because I'm like, I have given everything. And one day I get a phone call from a guy that I hadn't seen in years. And he says to me, you have a car? I'm like, yeah. He goes, something wrong with it? I said, yeah, it's, it's, it won't shift out of first gear. It was a van. It wouldn't shift. That's the only car we had. And he goes, God woke me up last night and told me to buy you a car. What kind of car do you want? And I said, and Suzanne still, I told, I told him I wanted a station wagon. She's like, what in the world? We'd had, we'd had two minivans that broke down, and I'm like, I'm sick of minivans. And so he said, well, give me a few days, and I get a call from a dealership. It says, come down and buy it. I walk in the door, and a guy says, I never had this in life. The guy, dealer, hands me a set of keys and says, I never had this happen before. Here's your keys. Sign the paperwork. But here's the story. We drove that car to a relative's house. We pull in the driveway, and this relative says, you know what? Your whole life is like this. God, you're always getting, God's always doing this to you. God has never done that for us. And I, you know, how I sometimes say things when I don't think. <laughs> do I ever do that? I looked at him and I said, it's because you've never trusted God for anything in your life. Everything in their life was metered. They're believers. Everything was metered. Everything was planned. Never a risk. Never generosity. Not risking at all. I just... And I said, of course God's never had to. You've taken care of yourselves. But here's the deal. When we trust God and we listen to his voice, I'm saying be presumptuous. I'm saying when God speaks and he says, go do that, and you do it, he provides. And that's all, just another voice today trying to remind you. Here's the deal. I want God to have your heart. I want God to have your heart It's not about a bank account. He just uses, money is the number one thing he uses to help us understand where our heart really is because it's the only other thing in our life that can have a God-like effect in our life because it can give us security, false security, but security. He provides us with joy, temporary joy, but joy. And God wants to give us all those things in a real way. And so, Linda, thank you for helping us understand that better today. I'm so appreciative. After church today, you know this, a bunch of you have signed up. We're going to have a a time in rooms two and three um, where uh, Linda's going to be able to share some more, answer some questions. If you didn't sign up for that, we have room for a few more. And so um, you're you're welcome to come. And we packed the room up. We'll just... Not eat. <laughs> there's, there's, we have we got a meal coming, but uh, um, it'll be it'll be great. So that's right after church. I think at ten forty five we're gonna try to kick that off. Um, go get your kids, take care of things, drink coffee, have fr- have fun. Um, one thing I forgot to announce this morning. Um, don't forget that Tuesday of Thanksgiving. So eleven twenty one. We do not have Wednesday night church. Um, after that, right before Thanksgiving, but we have the Tuesday night service annual Tuesday night. What do we eat on that night? Pie, lots and lots of pie. So bake your favorite pie, bring it along, and we're doing something else in that night. We're doing water baptisms. 
And so if you have given your heart to Christ and you've not yet been baptized and you've not talked to us about being baptized, come talk to me. I would love to baptize you on Tuesday the 21st here with all your church family. We always pack the place out on Tuesday night, so be here Tuesday night for that. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I just pray a blessing over us this morning as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you, my friends. If you would like prayer, our prayer team will be here to pray with you.